Happy New Year. Um, this is exciting. I'm, I'm really excited about this, actually. Sometimes I get nervous about teaching, but I'm not nervous about this. I'm very excited. Excited about what God is doing in our body. This is off-center. Um, excited about what God's doing in our, in our body and uh, excited where he wants to take us. Excited about who he is in general. Um, so, let's, uh, let's get into the word. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for your anointing on your word tonight. Lord, that you would uh, stir it in our hearts. Father, many of us are well familiar with your word uh, but when you touch the word that, that we've uh, committed to memory and we've put in ourselves, when you touch that, Lord, it becomes anointed and it can teach us new things and take us to new places in you. And I pray that that would happen tonight. Father, draw us close to your heart tonight. I pray that you would reveal a little more of your purpose in the earth to us so that we can join you, so that you can be glorified by the way that we live our lives. In your son's name, amen. Well, it's the new year, and everybody is looking back, making lists, top ten lists, and all that, and they're also looking forward, and so tonight, what I wanted to do with worship is do that. I want to look back in the purposes of God. I want to look at worship, and we're going to get a broad, big picture tonight. I have a couple weeks to teach, so I don't have to, you know, do everything tonight. So tonight, I want to just lay the lay the big picture and sort of set up the, uh, the wide-angle lens, if you will. Uh, so I want to look back at God's purpose in, in worship, and I want to look forward to his designs for worship uh, as, we, as we move ahead and as his purposes come to a fulfillment. Well, we, we ended the Advent series talking about the wise men, and Believe it or not, they have informed the church a lot about worship in, in church history. They, uh, they came, and the, the word that we get for worship in the New Testament, one of the words that, we, that it's used predominantly, <clears throat> is a word that's used when they come and see Jesus. And bear with me with the, the background information here. Apparently that word was, was very important, especially in the Oriental uh, in the Oriental nations, and they were well familiar with what it meant to to worship, which really meant to kneel or to bow down um, before a what you, who you were acknowledging as a superior. Um, so that's really what the the word that's translated worship means is to basically kneel before someone that you're acknowledging as your superior. And so they were seeking the babe Jesus to to do that. Um, and it's, it's really great because the Christmas story is full of outbursts of praise and worship. You get, we get some of the best praise and worship from the Christmas account in the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke. Uh, you have, you have Mary, Mary worshiping when she, uh, at the Annunciation. She, we, we call it, it's, it even has its own name. It's called the Magnificat. It was Mary's uh, worship to, to the Lord upon hearing that she was to, to give birth to the Messiah. Uh, we have Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father. Uh, upon his birth, he exclaimed, we have a, a great piece of prophecy slash worship from him 
Um, and then obviously as we went through the Advent, the shepherds glorifying God. The angels, I mean, that's what they were created to, really, just worship God. Uh, that's all they do all the time. They worship, they worship God. And finally, the wise men. So I want to I draw attention to the fact that at the coming of the Messiah, you know, as we come out of the Advent season, the reason there's so much worship going on around there is that is, it's really the final step. At the coming of the Messiah, God was taking the final step toward bringing us back into His original intent for us, which was to worship Him, to be with Him in fellowship and to worship Him. And so it's great. As we, as we enter, enter into the new year and as we come out of the Advent season, let's remember that, that in the birth of Jesus, God took the final step toward bringing us back to uh, His original design. And I want to look at that original design tonight. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created all the birds and everything in the sea. He created the land animals. And He crowned creation with man. And He said, Behold, let, let us make man in our image. And what I want us to, to hear in, in that phrase, make man in our image, is make a creature that is able to worship. Okay? There's a lot of other things people say about the image of God, but, but I want to I focus in on that one aspect that sets apart man as a creature that is able to worship. God never spends time with the trees. You know, He's not a tree hugger. He created them. He knows everything about them. Um, but at the end of the day, He spends time and, and converses with man. And that is what sets man as the crown of creation. We were created for fellowship, and, and fellowship with God really means... Um, being with God personally, intimately. And I hope each of us realize that, that each of us were created. And I know this sounds elementary, but it's good to hear it over and over. Each of us were created. Each face in here was created to commune with God. And God desires that from you. And fellowship means being in God's presence, being with Him, talking with Him. And being in God's presence, as we see in Scripture, means it inevitably, inevitably leads to worship. Anytime in Scripture there's a glimpse of the presence of God, in heaven, the heavens are opened up, what you see is worship. Okay? A heavenly being comes down, what you see is worship. You see the angel having to say, fear not. Don't be afraid. You know, you can get off the ground now. I'm just an angel. Wait till you see the guy who sent me, right? Um, but worship is something that God placed inside of us at the beginning of creation. He placed it inside of man at the beginning of creation, the desire to worship. He, he put it in there so that that would be the primary way that we related to him in our fellowship with him that we would worship Him and be with Him. It's really a grace that God extends to us, the desire to worship, to respond properly in His presence, right? 
Worship is the desire to respond properly in God's presence. Go to Acts. This, there's a great description of this. Acts 17. This is Paul delivering a sermon to um, at the Areopagus on Mars Hill. And I love this section. There was a period where we just, pre- we just read this out loud and kind of preached from it at UCF. It's a few years back. But it, it's really dense. And it, there's a lot of great stuff in here, especially for even today's culture. But Paul is preaching and he says, um, so Paul, in verse 22, 17:22, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens... I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Okay? There's a lot of people who are very religious. And it's because God designed us to be that way. Designed us to desire to pay homage to something. Right? For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You just hear Genesis 1 in that. Right? He made heaven and earth. He gave life and breath. You know, He breathed the breath of life when he, after he formed man out of the dust. And he made from one man, that was Adam, Every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward Him and find Him. Right? Worship, the desire to worship, is, is those feelers that God has placed in every man ever, from the beginning of time, continuing on to when He ends time. Every man is created with a mechanism with which to feel his way toward God. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for indeed we are his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. I'll stop there. He has put within us something that longs to worship Him. And it's, our, it's really our true identity. And to me, this is evidenced by all the different religions. Why is there religion? You know, we, we live in a secular culture that denies deity in general. It's materialistic. No one really knows for sure what's out there beyond what you can see and taste and smell. But that's not the way that it's been throughout most of human history. Um, through most of human history, people have gathered to themselves things to worship because that's such a universal part of our human nature is the desire to worship. So I want, I want us to understand that worship is not something exclusive to Christians. Worship, worship is a universal part of of humans. It's something that God has created us for. 
And so the conclusion we need to draw from that is not that um, we need to figure out how to worship. Because we all know how to worship. We need to figure out who to worship and why. The question is not how to worship. The question is who to worship and why. We all know how to worship and we're doing it constantly. And we'll explain that a little more uh, later. A.W. Tozer said, God has made us, when God made us in the image of, of Himself, He made us as mirrors. And so you can think of us as mirrors to reflect the glory of God. And He says, and He also put harps inside of each one of us. So inside of every human is a heart, a harp that is tuned to, to glorify God. And I love that, I love that picture because it's already there. You know, the mechanism is already there. The ability is already there. It needs to be aligned with the right thing. But obviously, as we know, mankind at large does not worship God. Um, Let's go to Romans 1. Verse 18. So we have the purpose, the, the priority of God in, in creation was a creature that had the ability to worship Him freely and, uh, and fellowship with Him in that way. But there was a problem, we all know. For the wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, make a little side note, invisible attributes, eternal power, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. Right? So creation really proclaims the glory of God and draws us to worship. Right? And we all know that. We all have been walking, and you see anyone who's seen a sunset understands that verse, or uh, anything in nature, whatever. It draws you towards something larger than yourself, and you, you feel something welling up inside of you, and that's worship. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And Tozer would say, and their harps were broken, right? The strings were broken. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, 
the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. I want to to suggest that the passion is simply a good desire perverted. Lust is simply a good desire perverted. It's the desire and the longing that is in each one of us to worship God, to serve God, to have fellowship with God, directed at something that's been created rather than the Creator. Okay, so we were created with a desire to worship God and something has happened that has twisted that desire downward into created things. And so from, from then on, from the point of the fall on, the major battle God has to fight with His people, first through Genesis 1-12 through 12 with all people, and then with His own people, Israel, is idols, idolatry. That becomes the great, the great sin of Israel that eventually gets them thrown into exile. And, and all, every judgment that is poured out on Israel and Judah in the Old Testament is because of idolatry at its root. Um, and that's basically worshiping created things rather than the one that created them. But we are Christians and we know that there, are, there is a way back, that God provided a way back. And even, you know, even before the fall, God was going to redeem His people back to Himself. And so we get little glimpses of true worship through the Old Testament. A, ma- a single man here. You know, a few years out of this man here. And you get these glimpses of what God's looking for. And he's, he's trying to, to, to draw people back into what it was, but, but it, never quite, it never quite takes off. It's, it's limited to, to little pockets of, of history and, and single people. We have Cain and Abel, which is the second generation of... It's just the second generation of, of humankind... We're making offerings to God, right? So something in them told... I don't know who told them to do that, but there, there was no law. This was just the, the immediate descendants of Adam and Eve. Who told them to make offerings to God? But there they are, worshiping. And so you have one who, who worshiped in a true way, and God accepts his worship. And you have one who, whose worship is rejected. And eventually it leads to uh, the first murder. We have Abraham, who, when God tested his heart, tested whether or not he understood true worship, 
told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he didn't withhold his only son. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And during the Exodus, God brings his people out of Egypt. Why? That they may serve me. That they may worship me. And when Moses tells Pharaoh, he says, we need to go hold a feast to our God, to Yahweh. We need to go worship him where he tells us to and how he tells us to. We can't worship in the land. We need to worship where God is telling us to and how God is telling us to. And then after the Exodus, we have the the system of the law and sacrifice and all that stuff. All of that was designed to bring man back to a place of worship. The requirements kept increasing and increasing and increasing as man kept getting it wrong and getting it wrong and getting it wrong. And so God said, okay, I'll give you... Cain, look at Abel, that's how you worship. That's not good enough for you. Okay, you're jealous. Okay, now you're going to go... Abraham, sacrifice your son. And you have people getting it wrong, people getting it right. And God keeps having to sort of increase the demands. And then we get King David. I love King David. We're going to spend some time talking about King David in, in later, during later weeks. King David's one desire was to bring the presence of God back to Israel and worship Him. That was... He arranged his entire political strategy around the presence of God and the worship of God. He arranged the entire, all the affairs of the kingdom. Can you imagine a politician arranging all the affairs of the kingdom around finding a place for, that, for the presence of God? That's a king. That is a good king. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Right? So that God was seeking that in the earth. And even after David, when the, when the kingdom splits, you have good kings and bad kings. And the good kings were the ones who worshipped rightly, who did not go after other gods, who did not, who did not worship idols, but they worshipped the true God. And they cut down the idols and said, we will not worship the, creator, the, cre- the creature. We're going to worship the creator. And so you get guys like Hezekiah and Josiah who go through and try to cleanse all the idolatry from Israel. And you keep hearing God saying, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And so you get all that. You have the requirements. And one thing I'll point out about the requirements is that from the beginning, and this is interesting, someone may want to go and study this more. I didn't have time to study it in depth. But from the beginning, there was something about, or from from the point of the fall, there was something about the necessity of blood as a prerequisite for worship. And it's interesting because in the story of Cain and Abel, Abel's sacrifice was the one that included blood. In the system of 
sacrifices in, in, in the Levitical system, one of, the, one of the primary things that you see is the use of blood as a, as a cleansing and purifying and a, a, preparatory, uh, a preparatory thing for, for coming into the presence of God. So then we get, we get Jesus. And in that light, let's, let's turn to Hebrews. Getting lost here. Hebrews 10. And there's a difference between reading, reading the Bible through the lens of my salvation, of my being brought back to God, and reading the Bible through the lens of God's desire for His people in the earth. Does that make sense? We can get so focused on our personal atonement with Christ our personal justification before Him and the clearing of our sins, that we miss that the Bible is not about us. It's about God. It's about His purpose in the earth. It's about why He created us. And the Scripture should tell us more about God than it does about ourselves. And so when you read Hebrews 10, you can read it as, well, yeah, now I have... Now I can finally go before God and my sins are forgiven and Jesus died for me on the cross. But when you think of the the cosmic significance of this, that now, finally, the purpose for which man was created can now take place in every heart, in every man, in whoever is willing not just your heart, but in every heart. It's now possible. Jesus made a way again. Finally. There were 1,900 years of getting it almost right, getting it really wrong, and Jesus came and made a way for everyone, for all time. Therefore, brothers, verse 19, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful." Now that's available for all men, for all time. No more struggling, no more failure. Christ did it. Christ is the blood offering. Christ is the acceptable offering. And so now the only thing that that is in between us and worshiping God is our own heart, is our own desire. It's our own will. And when when we... come to the place where our will is kneeling before God, then we can enter in. 
And I want to come back to that. But worship also, we, have, we were created for worship. We fell from the purpose. God was working a way back. God fulfilled the way back in Jesus. And now worship extends into eternity. Go to Revelation 22. It's always been what God wanted. And it's always going to be what God gets through His people, from His people. 22, verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no, they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So you get all the way back to the very beginning of time, before there was light. God is the light. This is what God wants, that we see His face and worship Him. And finally, and this is where I want to, this is where the challenge is going to be tonight. is that worship, I want to suggest that worship is what separates the sheep from the goats. Not, not religious deeds, not good intentions, not tithe, not church attendance, but true worship, the way God wanted it to be from the beginning is what separates the sheep from the goats. Go to Matthew 7. Twenty-one. And we've all heard this, and it's, it's made us all uncomfortable at points. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, what's the will of the Father who's in heaven? Worship. To get 50 people saved? No. Worship. That's it. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, like every other thinking Christian, that has scared me at times. But go to go just drop down a little bit in verse eight. I mean not verse eight, chapter eight. And when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It's not Lord, 
did we not? It's Lord, if you will. When we see him, the only thing that's going to go for us is whether our lives were lived in a way that we were constantly asking, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Not, Lord, did we not. And if you ever, hear, if you ever feel that welling up inside you, cut it off. Because God's going to cut it off at the last day. Lord, if you will. And what does he say? I will be clean. Great, great verse. I will be clean. Freedom. Cain said, Lord, did we not? Abel said, Lord, if you will. And he says, I will be clean. And the other thing we have to keep in mind is that that cleansing is because of the blood of Jesus. So you need to be aware of the cost. When Jesus said, I will be clean, he was saying, yeah, I'm going to suffer. My blood's going to be shed for you. The father said when he heard the leper, I know, so here's my son. I will be clean. I believe that the Lord would say to us, I want not your works, but your worship. And from him who worships, I will receive works. To my glory. Today is one, 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 one. One thing. Luke 10. Thirty-eight. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not? Lord, did we not? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Because our works are things to throw at Jesus' feet when we get to heaven. Our crowns are things to throw at his feet when we're in heaven. Our worship will not be taken away. I want to challenge you or encourage you to 
Meditate on Psalm 27 this week, and I'll, we'll read it to close. But I want you to ask yourself, and we're going to come back to this through, the, through our time on worship. How convinced are you that the presence of God is the best place? Honestly, how convinced are you? And is your life lived in a way that demonstrates that conviction? That the presence of God is the best place? Is there anything that has captured your your God-given desire for worship and has it directed it elsewhere? Is your harp singing someone else's song? Let's read this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Lord, if you will. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. When you see the face of God, you offer sacrifice with shouts of joy. So I want to ask you, you can add this to the questions, do you have joy in sacrifice? Is sacrifice a joy to you? And finally, is the one thing enough? Is the one thing enough? So let's meditate on this psalm this week and let the Lord speak it to our heart. There's a different 
situation for each person in here. There's a different thing that God wants to bring you out of, bring you into, and only He can, can bring us there. So let's seek the Lord this week and turn our hearts. Let Him teach us how to worship. You notice I've, I haven't really said anything about music or a worship service because that's not what the Father is seeking. In John, He says, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship. You worship in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. And He's always been seeking that, and that's always what He's going to be expecting from us. Amen? Let's pray. Let's sit, let's sit for just a few moments in silence. If you want to open up that psalm again, let's just, let's just sit for a moment here. I want to sing this uh, to bring us to a close tonight. The last verse of Here is Love. And we'll just sing in a cappella. We can do that when the worship leader is giving the sermon. sing in your truth do you direct me by your spirit through your word and your grace my need is meeting as i trust in you my lord of your fullness you are pouring your great love and power on me without measure full and boundless drawing out my heart to thee 
Father, you truly are drawing out our hearts to you as we see you more and more. Our heart's response, because you have made it so, because you have created it so, is to worship you and to kneel before you. Lord, humble us this week. I pray that you would teach us great things about your heart for your people, about your purpose since before you even created the first man. Lord, show us yourself and lead us in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year.